Hello and welcome to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. This is the podcast which ponders Jewish mothers. Should every home have one? My name's Angela Epstein. I'm Lynn Dover. Noemi Lopian, hello. Together we talk about the maternal influences that we have known and experienced and whether we can import some of the wisdom that we've learnt from Jewish mothers and bring it into your world and all the Jewishness that goes with it. Clacks and alert, this is not a parenting podcast, so if you want advice about nappies or feeding times, then move along because this is not the place to dawdle. I'm very delighted to say that today we have a special guest who we've been trying to lure into the Jewish Mother Me studio for a while, and it's Leah Cohen. Leah, hello. Hi, everybody. Wonderful to have you. Now, Leah is intriguing to us. She's been intriguing us for some time. Tell everybody why, Noms. Leia is a woman of our age who has nine children, eight boys and one daughter. So well, there's lots of things that fascinate us, Leia. First of all, tell us about the Jewish mothering that you had. My father is the rabbi of um, Lubavitch Synagogue and um, my mother was the rabbit's son. That's the, the rabbi's wife. Yeah. And um, I'm one of eight children, second to oldest. I was always quite busy helping my mum and I was always very happy to do that. And my father was always very busy with the communal stuff. Um, my mum was always at home looking after the children, taking care of us. And um, I had a very secure, happy, stable upbringing. We are Lubavitch. My father is a rabbi of a Lubavitch shul. What, could you explain to us what Lubavitch means? Lubavitch is a sect of... Judaism. We have a big holy rabbi who was called the Lubavitcher Rebbe and he guided us with every aspect of our life. He actually lived in New York and um, he actually passed away 28 years ago. As a child um, I used to go uh, with my family, we used to go and visit him and everything we did in our life he guided us and um, he empowered us to change the world through doing acts of goodness and kindness and just getting everybody to do good things and to bring light into the world. And he gave us that power to know that we can push ourselves out of our comfort zone. He sent emissaries, they're called shaluchim. There's over 4,000 emissaries around the world. And he sent them there to do good things, to look after people, to teach Jewish people as well that every mitzvah, a mitzvah is a commandment that was given to us um, from God. Every mitzvah that we do um, has a very powerful impact on the world, however small that mitzvah is. Do you feel that your parents uh, were also had a parenting influence on you or was or did they rely on the Rebbe to guide them in everything as well or did they was it was it like freestyle parenting or it sounds very prescriptive like there was a rule for everything how was it for you and did you feel the pressure or is it a um, wonderful guidebook my parents home was very relaxed my parents were not very strict there were was you wild layer I was not wild. Noemi is shaking her head in, no, in she wasn't wild. She's thinking, I, I'm wild. <laughs> I'm the wild one here. No, I had the privilege of being at school together with Leia, and Leia was one of the most smiley, happy, kind girls. So when Leia says that they were guided by the Lubavitcher Rebbe and that one of his guiding principles was kindness, I found that Leia had that inherently. If I had a bad day or I was looking for a friend, Leia would always look at me with a oh, smile. And I've retained that all my life. And she's continued to be like that. It's almost like you're pre-programmed to parent. 
because you're you're you've got so many beacons of guidance all around you i mean it's almost like you have we talk about maternal wisdom when we do the jewish mother me podcast but you had was it paternal wisdom from the rebel or did you not see him as as lynn said a specific parenting figure my parents guided us in the day-to-day normal things school you know how to be a good person and, and an honest person and the things that are important you know with bringing up children what is the um proportion of siblings girls to boys that you've got is it similar to your um no i have three sisters and four brothers because you came from this large uh, you know positively chaotic family if you like where it was it was everybody Sounds like the waltons yeah <laughs> yeah with, a, with a, a dash of everything going on did you know from early on or did your mother talk to you about wanting to become a mother was it understood because presumably it could go either way when you are you sometimes hear people from large families feeling well i was neglected or i definitely want to don't want to do this how much did that impact on the decision you had to have a large family with the blessing of the almighty obviously everybody has their own inherent nature for me and it it is definitely my nature i am my happiest looking after people, feeding people, nurturing people. <laughs> that is, for me, very, very fulfilling. And, and where does um, that come from? I think it's primarily in my nature. I was like that even as a young girl. And I have been able to nurture that through the fact that I haven't had to work. I had a large family, or rather I have a large family, but I had my children very close together. And um, I was able to really focus on that. But now my grandchildren come over and I look at them and I say I should have skipped the kids and just started with the grandkids (laughs) (laughs) because they're just amazing and um, and I adore each and every one of them and I love nothing more than them hanging out in my house even the simple things like them having a bath together in my house and have your siblings followed uh, suit as well Uh, are they still all under the Lubavitch umbrella all my siblings are under the Lubavitch umbrella my siblings are actually shulachim. They are emissaries. Oh, of where the are they? My oldest brother is in Manchester, and um, one of my younger brothers is in Whitefield. Then I have a sister in Miami, a sister in Australia, and a brother in Australia, wow. and a brother in Montreal. Always good places to go for holidays. Yeah, really good places to go, <laughs> and um, and we've been to some amazing places for weddings because. Their children married, married other people south up from yeah. South Africa, and we've been to some great places. So it's become a Lubavitch family and see the world. Yes, my husband is actually not a shliach. My husband is in textiles, but <laughs> me and my husband are both very involved in many um, voluntary organisations. Um, so as well as bringing up my kids, I have always been right from the get-go. So you've never been bored in your entire never, life? Other than never. what you do on Shabbat, um, one of your communal things, so Leah's caring not only to her sons, but what you do for your community. One of the things that I'm involved in is the Youth Minion, which is a in the synagogue on Shabbos morning. Um, they have a, a programme for the young boys from 13 to 20, which has been running for around 20-something years. I make the challenge for that every week. And, um, Cholent is like a big traditional meaty big Jewish stew. stew. Correct. I am known for my Cholent because these boys have all grown up. I was going to say, you must have to sort of make it in a jacuzzi or something for all these boys. <laughs> I mean, how, how big is the pot that you make it in? So I make it in a, um, it's a, a crock pot. Yeah. Um, so I make it in a crock pot, but I have on occasion made four or five Cholents. 
Um, oh I'm always cooking for people who've had babies or, God forbid, if people have um, a bereavement. Um, so anything happens, I'm coming Cholent. with the food. Never Cholent. mind fabric. I think you could go into business. Cholent, Cholent fried fish, fried fish. Um, and another always one of my with specialities. Um, but Leia, the other thing I've seen in you and that I've learned, but maybe tell us a little bit more about Lubavitch and what you luckily have in your own nature is being so welcoming and non-judgmental that Lubavitch welcomes all types of people, all types of religiosities, all sorts. Tell us more about how the Rebbers impacted that and how lucky you are that you've got this warmth and love of people in your nature. As well as the Rebbers empowering us to change the world by doing these acts of goodness and kindness. And if, if your life is based on that, when somebody asks you for a favor, some people, they hesitate. Should I? Shouldn't I? Can I? Have I got the time? Can I fit it in? Yes, you could do someone a favour. We all have so much more energy and power and than we think we have. You would say yes first and then work it out after. Yes. Always yes, rather than no first and then see if I can do it. Yes. 99.9% of the time, you can do it. You might have to juggle things around a little bit. But if you live your life like that... Don't waste a minute. Life is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real thing. Every minute, every day that passes, it's not coming back. So take every opportunity, use it to the fullest, live your life fully, smile at people, give people compliments, it costs nothing. Do you know how you transform someone's life by just smiling at them? People are too judgmental. And do you know how easy it is? Don't judge other people. Look at yourself. The only person you can change is yourself. People go through their whole life looking at other people if they were just this, especially their spouse, especially their kids. Love them for them. Love your kids for them. Don't love them for what you want them to be. And how easy is that to do, Leah? It's not always easy, okay. right? But let me tell you, it's a life changer. When you give up, expecting your kids and expecting your spouse to be the way you want them to be life is so much easier you can really love them with unconditional love Leia you leak maternal wisdom if you don't mind me saying so maybe that's an unfortunate way of discussing but it's it's not even no because there are people in life no judgment because now I'm feeling like I need to <laughs> I'm trying to learn from you they go around sort of espousing tea towel slogans, the things you see that people put on social media or postcards they'll stick on their fridge. This is you. This is your philosophy. And I want to sort of spool back a bit because we're, we're just in awe of the, the maternal wisdom is flying here. And as we always say on the podcast, we're still very much work in progress. And with the guests that we bring in, we want to learn. This is about, Definitely. you know, we want to be as mothered as much as listening. So let's pull back a bit. Um, how old were you when you got married? I was 18 when I got married. And was this... Was um, it love? It was. It was definitely love. So was it a traditional Jewish introduction or was it... No, I knew my husband for many years before I married him. He was a regular guest in our home. And um, wow. I, he's five years older than me. And I always knew in the back of my mind that... I would marry him at some point. Did he if know he, this? <laughs> if he wouldn't be married. When I, I left school at 16 and I went to seminary in Paris for two years. And when I came home, he was still around. And uh, very shortly afterwards, we got engaged. And how did he feel about you? Was it the same? Yes, definitely. Wow. Um, That's fantastic. Did he tell your parents about that he had intentions on you before you knowing? Like, was it all... Or it was sort of all unspoken but understood. It was understood but unspoken. Yeah. We never went on a date. 
Right. Wow. So, how, so hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm just trying to picture this. How does it? We're literally queuing up with questions for you. You're, you're so <laughs> Who doesn't love a bit of a romance? No. Yeah. Let's try to get a box of plasters for us because all our chins have hit the floor and they're all just great. So, Leia, let's just think about this. You're a multi-layered person. You have this sense, be it spiritual, be it preordained, be it just what it is that nobody can really define the chemistry. But God-given, this person was for you. Was there anything sort of telegraphed to each other in looks or gazes or just an understanding or was it no when you came back from seminary oh good he's still here was there never anything sort of suggested even or did you have conversations with your parents not really I knew him for a long time like I say he was a regular guest in the house and it just sort of happened <laughs> so you didn't go on any dates no did he rock up one day and say put your coat on we're going to the synagogue to get married no 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 <laughs> no we 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 spent some time together because he gave me a lift to wales one time my parents were in wales for the summer and he gave me a lift that's a good lift from and manchester isn't it correct that's not any old lift <laughs> correct correct and um and we spoke then and we that was basically and it was all confirmed in your head that all these things that you thought were definitely there. And he'd been they? waiting for you, presumably, to come back from Sem in <laughs> Paris too. <laughs> we're loving this story. We are so romantic and lovely. Well, did you take him back to Paris, the most romantic <laughs> we city? We have been back to Paris. Those, we yeah. have been back to Paris. Yeah. And we've no. been married 37 years. Wow. wow. We love that. Yeah, now, um, the, you know, obviously the, what we say about the Jewish Mother Me podcast is it is not for Jewish mothers. It doesn't matter what star you were born under, what religion you're from, whether you're a parent, whether you're not a parent, whether you are in your teens or in your 80s the whole point is that we pick up wisdom from the people that we meet and we can we can share it around and we're certainly picking up by the bucket load your family that you had you say you had them close together on average how often were you having a baby i got married at 18 i had my first son when i was 19 and then i had seven children within nine years so by the time i was 27 thank god i had seven children (laughs) And then four years later, we had one more. And when I was 36, I had my last boy. So you were basically changing nappies from the age of 19 changing to nappies. 36. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Um, and, and when you sort of, I mean, we're all a bit in awe of this. You're a person that, you know, I'm, I'm joking about you sort of leaking this wisdom, but you do. You, you strike us, and we've known you as a calm, circumspect, considered person, who is so sure of their beliefs and you get so much strength from that and it makes us feel great just mm, to be around you with you know you, it's you, so positive it's so wonderful the positivity that you radiate did you have that all the way through those tough years i mean we all moaned like mad yeah. when we were having <laughs> but that's the other thing i find remarkable <laughs> is that you embrace it like some people would rebel against the religion against being told by their rebbe by their parents but on the contrary you saw your mum with a big family and you were ready to do the same you embraced your womanhood, your maternal instinct, and and you created a beautiful, not only family, but community, and keep giving and giving. It's almost an endless giving in you. Um, How did you do it? Tell us how you did it. Firstly, as I said to you, I get a deep satisfaction from looking after my family, looking after my children, being pregnant, feeding the kids, looking after them. That gave me great satisfaction. There's some other of my contemporaries who don't and they want to go out to work and that's fine Mm -hmm. also they go out to work and they leave the kids with a babysitter um for me that was never that was non-negotiable i guess if i would have had to go out to work maybe i would have had to do that i'm not going to pretend to you for one second that 
having a lot of children and bringing them up and the teenagers especially with all those boys mm -hmm. and um mm -hmm. people will tell you they used to you know my house was very open like my parents house we had a lot of guests and people would be in and out not necessarily formal guests but the kids friends and our house was always the go-to house for fun and and food and um there was always something going on action and parties and, and you managed to remain sort of serene above it all sort of just going yes over there or that's there or how, how so, do you do that so, look, first of all i have i've been to parenting classes i've been to counseling classes i have read loads of books on parenting children at the end of the day bringing up children is the hardest job you will ever do and to me and i think most parents the most rewarding job you ever do and you go into it with no education if you need help people should go to parenting classes people should read books and don't just assume you know all the way you know the right way to do everything and at the end of the day there were times of course there was times when life was tough and the kids were naughty and um you know i always had help i had plenty of help i would have a tea time girl to help me with the kids i found it always a challenge to be able to give all of them time especially at bedtime to do homework with them and so i would always have a young girl who would look after the baby so that i could focus on the other children and my husband also traveled a lot so i couldn't rely on him too much um when he was around he was always great with the kids but he was traveling a lot and um i used to just focus on the kids if i did have time like i say i used to do a lot of voluntary work but my family was always How? the focus <laughs> Um, Did you have I a despair? Doesn't sound like it there. It was never, you just sort so, of... No, there were definitely times. I would never leave anything. But do you know what? I suddenly decided one day, life is too short. If every time you're going through a crisis or one of the kids is not is not good, and, and when you've got a lot of children, and, and thank God I've got daughter-in-laws and grandchildren, there's always going to be somebody That's where true. something is not quite right. And if you allow it to drag you down, then life is just miserable and everybody around you is dealing with that negativity don't let it drag you down deal with it say a little prayer god you gave me these kids help me with them right and just smile love them and just do the best you can and you know what we're all human and also we have to realize that our kids have their own agenda their own identity and if they're not exactly the way we are that's not a um, criticism of us as a person and it's the same with our family with our husband and everything the only person you can change and, and control is yourself and if every single person would look at themselves and make themselves the best they could be look how the world would be instead of everybody looking yeah, at everybody else we're, we're all giving up. each other eyes listeners yeah. we're just in awe of this wisdom totally and, and Leia awe. is is so right in I'm seeing so that saying that and sincere because you have that with children you can have that with the older generations, with anybody. Anybody can sort of spill their rubbish onto you. And what's the point <laughs> in feeling like that? Leia says it's so much better than me. I take it right down. But it's so true to, to rise above that and not allow yourself to get down. In fact, you're much more able to help others and, and focus on the situation if, if you are. I'm so looking at Leia. She is sitting here, yeah. serene. She's beautifully made up she looks gorgeous she's not a bag of wrinkles and like you know, imagine after all she is gorgeous i'm not that? looking at you angela <laughs> really not um and and i just wonder do you ever get tired i mean i look at you you don't look tired to me i have a rule every afternoon i go to bed 
because when we first got married, I was pregnant for many years. Um, my husband had this tons of energy and he was up till mm -hmm. 12, 1, 2 in the morning. And then we had these teenagers and they were up till late and I was feeding and I was up in the night. And I made a rule very early on, go to sleep, go to bed, turn your phone off. The world could come to an end and I would sleep in the afternoon. So how long do you sleep for? Even if I don't sleep, I turn my phone off, I go into my room, I zone just out. zone out for oh, an hour, an hour and a half, something like that. And because of that, when the kids would come home from school, I had energy for them. I was fresh for them. I wasn't tired, especially in the early years when I was up in the night uh, feeding babies or when the when I had teenagers and I was up to late with them. The kids are partying. It's one o'clock. It's two o'clock. If I know I have to be up early in the morning and I have to keep going all day, I'm like, I, I need to go to bed. So this way... I could build a good relationship with them. The best chats would always come late at night when they were cooking their second round of steaks and, and <laughs> chips. And, and I could be part of it and part of the fun. And, and that way they become good friends and they want to talk to you. And if you're there for them, when your kids come and talk to you, make the time for them. Stop what you're doing. Put your phone away. Look them in the eye and listen to them. Right, so and if that. you listen to them, oh they'll goodness. come to you when they've got a problem. When my kids were away um, learning in yeshiva, which is like a, a sort of a Jewish studies program for boys, and they all went away. And whenever they got in trouble, their friends would always be scared to call home because their parents would go mad with them. And my kids always used to call us because we used to deal with it and we just used to help them. And of course, no parent always gets it right. We all make mistakes. We do things, we say things that we shouldn't. But at the end of the day, if overall you're doing it right, then you've got to pat yourself on the back. Now, obviously, um, Leia, there are, there are people who hopefully be listening that they're not parents, they're not mothers, and we want to sort of widen the conversation because there will be wisdoms and philosophies here that people can use beyond that very singular parenting experience, or multi-singular in your case. I think one of the things um, that we, we girls joke about sometimes is, uh, certainly, um, and I've done it because I think... Um, Noemi's daddy is a bit better behaved but, uh, <laughs> but we uh, we sort of talk about we get quite impatient oh mean. I'm not going to tell him to in, unload the dish I'll, I'll do it myself I'll get on with it and then you can somehow get I mean it's, it's not terrible it's not World War Six, but you know you're sort of you're so determined to do it yourself when you are challenged be it by children be it by a family situation that is very demanding of you even though it's all positive it's for the good it may be with parents maybe with siblings maybe with friends how do you stop resentment entering into your world mm. how have you managed to do that on every layer not not just with children but at any sort of aspect i'm a big believer if something is not going to bother you in a few weeks time don't let it bother you today because we waste so much time on allowing things to bother us that are just not important and at that time you think it's the most important thing in the world when really if you look at it with hindsight in a few weeks or even a few days it doesn't bother us at all. So that, I would say, is number one. Number two, treasure the people around you. Treasure your spouse. Treasure your parents. Treasure your children. Treasure everybody who you come in contact with, but especially the people closest to you, because we tend to let out our frustrations and our upset and our anger. I'm not saying that if you're upset, you shouldn't discuss it with your husband. Of course you should. That's what he's there for. But at the end of the day, don't take it out on him. So when you get hurt... How do you still manage to create that love or do you just distance yourself almost like they're going to sleep, do you zone out and then it comes back or how do you deal with 
in situations where you feel the pain. So I think it's very important to deal with hurt, to express it in a, not necessarily positive, but in a calm mm. way is very important. Communication. Communication is the key for everything. Talk to the, your loved ones. Discuss things that are bothering you. Don't keep it all inside. Don't let it build up because the problem is you allow things to build up and you're like, oh, I won't let that bother me. I won't let that bother me. And then two months down the line, you go berserk because somebody does something minor to you because you've held it all inside. Don't. Discuss things and, and get it off your chest. It's difficult, though, to say to people because you might hurt them and yet it needs to be said it's oh. awkward so you still just do it so mean, i do think i think you have to think it through don't do it in the moment if it's something which is sensitive wait till the next day often things pass and also sometimes we see something and we think it's something that it's really not and you jump in there That's and true. especially to let's say a child they come in late and you think they've done such and such and you jump down their throat and you start screaming at them and then you're like you realize it wasn't even the thing you thought it was and you can't take that back and realize you cannot take back hurtful words once it's said you can never take it back so think before you speak can i ask you amidst all that going on and like i said it may be people can be in couples and, and challenged in a positive way for all sorts of reasons it may not be parenting it may be they've got other issues in their lives it could be financial it could be work it could be whatever and sometimes amidst all that the twosome in the middle of all that whirlwind get lost from each other. You've given us a very vivid description of a house that was brimming with people. I can just imagine lifting up a, a cushion and there are another three kids under there and they, you didn't even know who they belonged to. And there's a cholent pot the size of the moon on the go and all this stuff. But in all seriousness, Leia, how did you keep, for you and your husband, your sense of selves? Firstly, my husband is wonderful. He is considerate he's kind he's a great husband he's a great father i always say to my sons you're lucky to have a role model like him and do what he does and you'll have happy wives and at the end of the day it's very very important to make time for each other when we had lots of little ones my husband's mother would come and she would look after them and we would go away maybe two or three times a year for a few days and i tell people now i tell the people who i'm close to Leave your kids with me. Go away. It's not a luxury to go away. Yeah, it really is. It's not a luxury. It's a bit late for us now. Five. (laughs) Correct. Um, Press one for Cholent. Press two. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, Two for Chaka. Correct. Um, It's not a luxury. It's a necessity because you will turn around when your kids have left home and you'll look at each other and you'll have nothing in common. And if you don't keep up that closeness and that connection... For what? You are famous for ha- ha- feeding your extended family every night. No, 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 hold on. So they don't all come every night. They can come every night. Okay. And invariably there is... And is there a booking system? And can you take <laughs> us take us through a normal weekday for you? Sort of... Does it mean you cook a lot every night expecting... Do you, have, do you expect wait, wait. them every night and then there's food left over? Or do they tell you they're coming we're in or all not? There. We're asking and it's amazing. When you wake up, what happens first? Firstly... I get between eight and ten chickens every week. That gets delivered. Most of my foods and stuff, vegetables and everything, gets delivered. I don't really like shopping. I don't really have the patience for it. My 22-year-old son does a very lot of shopping for me. I have help 
I have help in the house. I have help for peeling potatoes and stuff like that. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. I want to draw this picture because I, I find this absolutely fascinating because I think we can learn a lot about time and motion studies here. Delegation, it Delegation sounds amazing. Delegation and also willingness because I think a lot of women, even if you've got somebody helping you and stuff, sometimes there are women that feel resentful. Day in, day so, out. Yeah, the day in, day out. So when you're making dinner, in the morning you don't know how many of them are going to come. Really? I should have a booking system. <laughs> really? Okay. But I don't. Now it's sort of become a thing that mostly Thursday evening and Shabbos day, most of them come. Is that When you say most, what does that mean? How many are we talking about? <laughs> so my daughter lives in New York okay. and I've got one son learning in Israel at the moment. Okay. And then I've got two sons at home, uh, 26 and 22. And okay. then I've got five married sons who live literally five minutes from my house. How does it work, Leah? In very simple terms, how does it work? They all come whenever they want. So when supper. you're cooking, so, when you're preparing, you prepare on the basis that they may, may all show up? No, it, no. Usually you, there might be one or two couples who come at the last minute. So like, let's say one or two o'clock, they might say, can we come for supper? And there's always enough for probably six to eight extra people. Gosh. And what do you do with the extra <laughs> food if they enough. don't come? Sometimes some of it will get eaten for lunch the next day or I'll give some of it away. Like a friend of mine, um, she lost her brother and she was, uh, the, the, the funeral was that day and I had enough food for her for like three days, wow. right? Um, <laughs> often they'll come in because boys eat what a lot. What will you make, Leia? So what's your staple so meal? So, yeah. so Thursday night, I always make... I'm thinking what a good night is for me to yeah. have. <laughs> <laughs> Thursday night's best night to come because Thursday night okay. is homemade chips. <gasps> wow. Homemade peeled chopped oh, real potatoes. Wow. <laughs> Big pot of chicken soup. Oh, and like, you could probably well, bath, bath somebody in it. Huge heavenly. pot of chicken yeah. soup. Okay. And um, and then I do butternut squash soup, which is a second option for people who don't There's want chicken choice. Are there, are there <laughs> soup. Yes. Are there any vegetarians in your? No vegetarians no, in my family. No so vegetarians. There's, there's two soups to quote Victoria. Two Woods. soups, and then there's we, homemade chips. Homemade chips. Any protein knocking around? There? And then we have for choice. Choice. A choice. We have fried fish for those mm. who don't want to be meaty. Yeah. And then for those who do want to be meaty, which is most of them. Um, steaks, which are fry as we go along, or they oh. fry it themselves, and pargiot, which is like dark chicken. Right. And then we have normally two salads, which I'll make on a Thursday, and then I'll have some for Shabbos too. I think you need to run a restaurant. <laughs> oh sorry. And when you say you have help with this, how, how does the help work? Because this is the other thing that Lynn and I in particular often talked about, is delegating. So how, how does that work? So I run a lot of things. I run um, Lubavitch Ladies Organization. We have two or three shurim a week. Uh, uh, Shear is a talk, a talk on Jewish studies, Jewish matters. Jewish yes. matters. Um, we have every couple of weeks we have an event and I arrange it with my co-chairman. Um, but how do you peel chips? For somebody else people. peels the chips. So somebody else is peeling the chips. That's a good. That's a somebody good system. Somebody else is peeling and chopping. I don't peel and chop. And do you chop have one of these nothing. commercial deep fryers, like so a chip I'm shop? So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just big, fascinated. We'll all have to come round. <laughs> no, it's not. I want to live in there. As you well. want to be smothered your mother. I want to be mother. Yeah. I want to be mother. Well, we've got space now. Yeah. Okay. Don't tell me we'll be there on a Thursday night. So, in all seriousness, is there a WhatsApp group? I mean, is it? We have a family WhatsApp group. They mostly tell me the day before 
when they want to come. Like I say, sometimes there's a... And there are grandchildren that come as well. Grandchildren that come. The grandchildren are the best. <laughs> Thursday's when they mostly all come, and we could have 20, 22. <laughs> but, wow. they, but they sort of come and go. So, like, the first shift will come at 5, 5.30, and the last shift oh, can come at 7.30, 8 o'clock. And that is but the night the... before Friday night. Before yes. Shabbos, that's the last night but that I would choose. Let me tell you, it's go a massive on. social. The kids, they love to be together. The grandkids love to be together. But then you're starting with, obviously, our, our main sort of symbolic meal of the week, Friday night. She's making chalent, yes. presumably. And, and you're making... <laughs> so, when, when do you do that? Some of it I prepare on Thursday. Certain things like canadals, which are soup dumplings, because my kids love them, and we go through between 30... To fifty <laughs> a week, they're made in bulk. When was like the last you. time you went out for dinner? Me personally, yeah. Do you go out for dinner, or or do you feel yeah. sort of a bit disorientated? Do you want to be in your house, in your kitchen, your food and your family around you? That's not a not a criticism. I bet, no, I bet yeah, you go yeah, out and the food isn't any better. That's so, the problem. So we do go out. We were actually out the other week because my daughter-in-law was in labour and we took her children out for dinner because right. we were looking after them so it was a treat for them to take them out for dinner it's also a treat for me occasionally right it's usually a sunday night because after shabbos i can't really be bothered cooking and if if the kids come over on sunday night we normally order in some of the things we want to we always say we want to export from the podcast are the wisdoms that we pick up from the guests that we have and you've been at beyond delightful you are literally a beacon of positivity and we are all in awe of what you've had to say Thank mostly you. because it just comes naturally. It's seeping out of you. There's no artifice here. You obviously, I mean, again, we're not a parenting podcast, but just principally talking about your family. We've done previous podcasts about fallouts and broiguses, which is a Yiddish word for, for fallouts. How do you stop that happening? You all sound like you really want to be together. How does that work? You're talking about my children. With your children, with your, your husband, everybody. So your daughters-in-law. To me, peace is the most important thing. Nothing is more important to me than peace. And I will not allow discord between family members or even people who are not family. I will make every effort to make it up to them, to discuss it, to basically force them almost to make up. And my children know that to me, peace is extremely important. And I'm not saying they don't get annoyed with each other sometimes. And obviously, you know, they've got their own families now and they've got their own lives now. They know that to me, peace is so, so important. And I say to them sometimes, if, you know, they might not be seeing so eye to eye with each other or whatever, I say, you don't have to be best friends. You don't have to spend all your time together, but make up with each other. When you see each other, you have to be civil and nice to each other. And thank God, because of that, they see that it's just the most important thing to me and it rubs off onto them. We could do it sending you into the United Nations. I'm quite serious, Leah. You're, it's just so natural to you, the, the, the wisdom and the common sense. And what about the daughter-in-law relationship? Into, I don't, I'm not asking you to be personal about your daughters-in-law, but obviously when, when people bring other th- members into the family, I imagine you are absolutely A1. You ace that relationship as well. What, what's the secret of that too? So firstly, as soon as my sons get engaged to their future wives, I make a decision, a conscious decision, that I am going to love them like my children. And however they are, right? And whatever they do, however they are, I'm just going to love them unconditionally. I make every effort to do for them 
The more you give to somebody, the more you do for somebody, that makes love. Also very important, don't pry. I don't go around to any of the houses when they're first married. I don't go to any of the houses at all until they have children. I think they have to have a space that they know I'm not going to turn up however much effort I make for them. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe they've tidied up. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they're dressed. Maybe they're in pajamas. I don't know. I stay away. They know where I am. They're welcome in my home whenever they want. Or whatever I can do to help. If they ask me to do something, I try very, very much to say yes. And your own relationship with your mother-in-law? So my mother-in-law passed away about 18 years ago and she, my husband, lost his father two years after we got married and his mum lived round the corner. And um, she came to us every Friday night and every Shabbos day and um, she came round often during the week. And I can honestly say, hand on heart, she was lived round the corner from us for about 18 years and um, I never had an argument with her. I never, ever, even if I didn't always feel the things I was saying, nobody knows what's in your heart. Only you know what's in your heart. But what comes out of your mouth, you can control, right? And if you control what comes out of your mouth, then you know what? Life is just so much easier. And you can't take back. Sometimes you feel something inside and you want to just shout at somebody or you want to just tell them what you really think of them. Just keep it inside. It's just not worth it. And you never know the hurt you do for people and the harm you do to them. And you've no idea what's going on in their life. You know, sometimes you'll see somebody and she'll walk past you with a miserable face and you'll say hello and she won't even smile at you. Who knows what's going on in her life? You've got no idea, right? Nobody knows what's going on in somebody else's home. I think we're all nodding sagely and we've been nodding like (laughs) nodding dogs. The entirety of this podcast is just so wise. I want to give Leah the Nobel Peace Prize for the most amazing mother, the Jewish mother Teresa, with her values and her wisdoms, but above all, your kindness and your love. And it's something that I shall treasure and I've learned so much from you yet again, Leah. Leah, you really, really have. And it's so easy for people to walk around and say things that they've seen like I said on a tea towel or on a car sticker on a but you live it and really actually Leo what we normally say at the end of our podcast is do you have any takeaway wisdom for our (laughs) listeners but you have been offering takeaway wisdom from the minute you took your coat off girl so we're 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 takeaway that is a banquet of wisdom so thank you Leo have you enjoyed coming in today I actually have Oh, thank you. <laughs> I will say with real honesty. Really. Yeah. Uh, Surprisingly uh, so. Yeah. You have been listening to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. My name's Angela Epstein. I'm Lynn Dover. Noemi Lopian. And we've been listening to... Leah Cohen. I would ask people, when you've listened to this podcast, we're not here to preach all to anything. This is somebody who lives by the values that, that we could all learn so much by. Because ultimately, like you said before, and it's really sunk into my head, that life is not a dress rehearsal. So do it with kindness. You know, do it with kindness. You can't, as my late mother used to say, you can't build your, your happiness on somebody else's misery. You've been listening to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us... Instagram. You can find us... On Spotify. Exactly. You can find us on all the platforms. And do get in touch and tell us what you like to hear. Until next time, big heart. Goodbye. Ta-da. Bye.